welcome to the aggressive life. You're being aggressive. Can't say it enough, but it's true. It isn't about making sure you get your way. It isn't about putting someone down to elevate yourself. It is about taking advantage of things that are right before you, doing things that God gives you as opportunities, not coasting, being on a growth track. Over the last uh, couple of years, we've had uh, a lot of episodes focused on physical health. Yeah, a lot. We've, we've had some focused on physical health. I've talked with the fitness gurus like Vince Del Monte and Amanda Tress. I actually wrestled with MMA champ Michael Chandler. He is so thankful I went easy on him. He really is. And I did a deep dive with CrossFit mindset coach Jim Hessel. Taking control of your physical health is an aggressive move that's going to pay dividends in your life. And my guest today is kind of in that in that mode. I've I've known Michael for uh, quite some time. He's uh, always been into health in one degree or another, but he's gotten into something that's a bit different and fresh that we haven't talked about here on The Aggressive Life. And his theory is that if you put your brain first, your body will follow. So today we're going to talk about keeping your brain healthy and sharp. It's not just for aging people who don't want to get dementia. It's about much, much more than doing a crossword puzzle or Sudoku. By the way, I am on the expert I'm on the expert level of Sudoku while I'm sitting in the deer stand doing my thing. Expert, just so you know, I'm expert. Dirt, what are you? I am not. You're nothing. That's what you are. You're nothing. Zero. So Michael Michael Gelfgott is the chief operating officer at Activate Brain and Body Incorporated. It's a cutting-edge brain fitness think tank growing into a chain of brain health studios that combines brain and physical health. Activate Brain and Body is looking to re-engineer fitness as an upstream preventative of healthcare. So here we are, Michael Gelfgott. How are you doing, Mr. Brian? I'm so glad to be here. I'm doing great. Great, glad to hear it. Michael and I have been uh, well. Most recently, we were in a uh, in a group together where we were going through some materials. We hung out then. Uh, we've spent some time over the years together. <laughs> you, uh, you, you, how many businesses have you had, Michael? Um, a few. A few. We had um, multiple uh, health clubs called Anytime Fitness, actually 22 individual units. Uh, you know, and we dabbled with a few other uh, businesses that didn't, that didn't work, uh, although... Um, uh, some really, I would say, aggressive lessons came out of those uh, things that didn't work, uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about here. So, your business career is a bunch of health things. You know, we mentioned a couple of them. We're going to get into this this brain business that you're in in a moment. What's the what's the genesis of your interest in health health and fitness and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start out like this. I wasn't born in the U.S. I was born in Uzbekistan, particularly the capital of Uzbekistan uh, is uh, Tashkent. That's where I was born. I came to U.S. when I was 11. And, uh, you know, I, gosh, I, back in Uzbekistan, we, um, I mean, I would eat meat maybe, maybe every 10 days. Most of the time we would eat literally would be bread, butter. Sometimes we would have sugar for tea. And so 
I have to, to to say that I was hungry was like physical hunger was uh, would be an understatement. So, mm. you know, we my mom worked three jobs and uh, I um, was frequently I would go out and I would just steal food. I would steal vegetables and fruits, whatever I can get my hands on, because if I don't, odds are I'm just going to have some bread. And you know, I, I was sick and tired of eating bread. So came to U.S., and uh, I've never seen supermarkets before. I've never seen this amount of—I mean, shoot, the first time I had a banana was when I was 10 years old. Wow. Right? And every, I love bananas. I eat bananas every day. So I came to U.S., and I just started eating, right? Just like like eating like a champ, like I've never eaten before, right? And so long story short, like I Like you gained. do if you were hungry and you couldn't get food. Now you can get food. Now yeah. I can get food. I mean, seriously, you go to Kroger's, there's all this candy. There's, I mean, I discovered Nutella, which I, is, is it should be illegal, right? Anyway, so I gained weight. I gained uh, I gained fifty pounds, right, in, in just a couple of years. And I was becoming a teenager. I like girls. They didn't like me. I was already wearing you know Ninja Turtle shoes that my grandmother got me at from Walgreens, right? I thought they were cool. Anyway, so you know, I started doing what I thought I should do. Well, I gained this weight. I probably shouldn't eat this junk. I mean, something. All this stuff is common sense, right? And that's kind of like my journey in health and fitness starting. You know, by the time I was uh, fourteen, fifteen years old, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I. I uh, Lost the weight. I got I got pretty strong. I wrestled in high school, and uh, it just really changed. Uh, gave me so much confidence, right? I think that's how. If you if you read um, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger's autobiography, he talks about his main reason for starting to work out. He built himself externally to build himself internally, right? So he didn't have a whole lot of confidence, right? And so he built himself up, and therefore he got uh, you know more confident. And so you know I've always exercise, then that's my personal journey on why I guess I started uh, to uh, to exercise. But I didn't didn't know that this is what I was going to do for a career. Like, I didn't know, this is it. I'm going to be a personal trainer. Yeah. Coming, so, coming over from Uzbekistan, that's a fascinating little twist. Yeah. What, what's, what's it like coming from Uzbekistan to to America? All the all the debate about um, immigration that's, that's going on. Yeah. So how'd that happen? What, yeah. what took place? And you can't just say, uh, you know, I want right. to come to you. No, you can't. You got so, to justify your existence as to why the country would be better off with you here it, and why there's nobody else here in the country that could do your job. And, and my understanding is, and, and, and maybe it's changed. I, I you know, I, I haven't looked up, looked any of this up, but my understanding is the only way for you to really make it and to U.S. and be a permanent resident is you have to have a blood family, right? So you have to have somebody who is you're related to. So, you know, the way that we were able to come is my grandfather, my mom's father, he remarried a lady whose daughter lived here in Cincinnati, Ohio. So when those guys married, the daughter called upon her mother, which then was married to my mom's father, my grandfather. And that's how we came over. It took five years, right? I mean, uh, we filed the paperwork in 1988. We didn't actually come until 93. Uh, But that's that's what we did to come uh, to us. So let's talk about brain. What's got yeah. you fired about the brain? Tell me about something about the brain that I don't know and why you want to fix it. <laughs> well, Brian, I'll tell you this. So when we sit down at our um, at our facility to talk to people about brain health, what amazes people every time is this process that you can go through based on basically based on how you live your life. You can build what's called cognitive reserve, which then you can use later on in your life to protect your brain against decline, right? And that's the part that everyone just gets so, wait a second, whoa, whoa, you know, hold on. So what you're saying is if I make certain decisions with food, 
if I, if I learn things on a regular basis, if I'm moving my body a certain way, if I'm doing things to manage stress, and if I'm socializing, like those are the five components that we looked at that are rooted in some serious neuroscience, which we'll talk about today. Um, you're telling me I can build this, uh, this concept of, of cognitive uh, reserve, and the answer, the answer is yes. And that's when it kind of, oh my gosh, so I have hope. And to me, that's probably the most exciting part, right? When I, typically, we talk to people um, sometimes in their 20s and their 30s, but mainly people in their, in their uh, 40s, 50s, and 60s that have seen someone else decline. And, of course, they're wondering, is there anything I can do? Yeah, so give me those five areas again. Yeah, yeah. So the five things are exercise, so movement, right? Um, two, brain training. Three, stress management. Four, nutrition, right? And then five, socialization. If I were to give you a succinct definition of cognitive reserve, it would be this. A cognitive reserve is a 30-year uh, scientific concept that's based on 30 years, like I said, of research to describe the brain's ability to withstand decline. So once again, based on how you live your life, you can build this bank account, sort of say, that you can rely on to protect your brain. It's crazy. Fascinating. So in the same way that when I was younger, I devalued saving for retirement. I, I did save for retirement, but I didn't really, really go for it. And now that I'm older, um, sort of wishing I would have gone for it and gotten that compound interest going <clears throat> on a larger sum of money younger. So you're saying it's the same with, with our brain. There's things we can do early that help us. And I, that, that's what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. It's interesting you bring up that analogy because I think it's the exact same analogy we use in the book. It is. Right? The, the, it's, it's the whole bank account deal. Like when you're in 20s and your 30s, you're putting away cash. So, you know, when you're in the 50s, 60s, 70s and you may not want to work, doesn't mean you shouldn't work, may not want to. Uh, but if you've done well, right, to putting your money away, hey, great, you have now a savings account that you can rely on to uh, live, that you can live on. So same thing goes with the brain, yeah. If we had this conversation when I was 30 or 40, I would have enjoyed it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sounds interesting. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, uh, that's good. But what's different for me now at 56 is I'm now knowing people who are losing their mind. I'm now knowing people personally who, as I see them, I go, I I do not want to be that. And I'm seeing people, well, I'll give you one right now. I'll give you, give you one positive. <clears throat> Dick and Sybil Towner, they run a retreat center in Indiana. It's called Living Waters. It's fantastic. I hate to tell anybody about it because it's for private retreats. And if too many people go, then I'm not going to be able to get a reservation. <laughs> but but, but it's, it's really impressive. It's in Indiana. It's, it's a really, really cool place. I've known Dick and Sybil for probably 23, 24 years. I haven't seen them for probably 10 years. I show up at this retreat facility, and they look exactly the way they did the last time I saw them, and they're 80. They're 80. And they look exactly the same. Dick is out, like, working the land. We're trying to fix up the barn. Sybil's taking spiritual development counseling sessions. They, they look the same. They act the same. And um, they, they really said something blew me away. They said, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing all four quarters, all four quarters. They plan on going 100 and they plan on keeping the same pace to 100. And I look at this little checklist. I look at things they've done like, yeah, yeah, they're doing these things. And other people I know, which I, I just can't give names because it'd be too damning, right? Sure. I'm just going like, yeah. Yeah, so yep, yeah, they 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 don't have close friends. Check socialization. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they never were in a group 
study, you know, stre- always are stressful, always found things to be stressed about, always did, like just always check. Um, movement, like thought it was a big deal to take a, a walk around the block once a week. No, no movement, check. I mean, I just see these things and you're saying that the data, there's scientific data goes for this, not just my anecdotal data. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. When we talk about cognitive reserve, what we talk about is this uh, is this study called the Nun Study. And I'll just give you a 60-second abbreviated version of the Nun Study because it, it's impressive. So basically, you got 300-plus nuns, and this is to support your anecdotal evidence, right? None. None. Catholic nuns. Catholic nuns. Okay, so 300-plus okay. uh, Catholic nuns, they brought, donated their brains to um, to research. When the nuns were alive— oh. The nuns donated their brains to research. So there were there were a bunch of nuns that were asked to partake in brain health research. And so some of the nuns okay. donated those brains to research, I right? Just, I never considered a nun. Can I donate my brain to um, science? Would science I, I, I think that you probably brain? find the right university to take your brain. Uh, but I think it would be interesting. You know, Brian, you do a lot of uh, you do a lot of hunting. You do a lot of uh, – so this whole concept of uh, – which we'll talk about today, dual – tasking exercise. Hunting is probably the most primal thing you can do. One of the best things you can do for the brain because, Brian, you're always moving and thinking. You're moving and you're thinking, right? And and as you move, especially the terrain itself isn't flat. It's not a treadmill, right? No, it's, you're constantly calibrating. So you're constantly have to figure out, am I, am I stepping the right way? And all, all, most of the stuff, all the stuff really happens automatic, right? And at the same time, and I've never hunted before. I can just imagine what it would be like. You have your rifle, right? You're carrying that. There's load. You were telling me how you were training for that, uh, for that particular, uh, for that particular trip that you took. But the, but all in all, the best form of, of, of physical activity that we all can do, and this is probably the best way to start for anyone, is go hiking. Or better yet, just start walking, right? And then ultimately, as walking gets simpler, go hiking, right? Because that's how you really engage your brain, right? Um, so start walking, start talking and walking at the same time. In fact, I would do better if we were actually walking around and talking right now. Talking brain, and walking is healthier for you than just walking. Uh, it engages your brain more. And it's so simple. It's such a basic thing to do, right? But it's very natural to do, right? Uh, and so once that gets pretty simple, then you can progressively increase the, uh, the difficulty of your ability to toggle back and forth between the cognitive and the physical task. So uh, hunting, for example, would be a prime example. Let's go back to the nuts yes, study for yes, a second. Yes. So anyways, oh, there's, there's a bunch of these nuns that were asked to partake in brain health research. Basically, what neurologists and uh, uh, wanted to see is can living a certain way, can it be preventative in terms of cognitive decline in the future? That's what they wanted to show, right? Uh, about 90% of the nuns that participate in the study, they donate their brains to research, which happened to be about 300 or so, or so nuns. This is the crazy part. When these uh, neurosurgeons, when they, when they looked at the cross-section of these nuns' brains, some of the nuns had presence of tangles and plaques, which are classic signs of Alzheimer's, dementia, right? When they looked at the data they had on these nuns when the nuns were alive. So when the nuns were alive, on a monthly basis, they were going through some uh, neuropsychological testing. They were, once again, these neurologists were looking for presence of any sort of dementia, particularly Alzheimer's. Um, they looked at the way that these nuns lived their life. So they had all this data when they were alive. They looked at some of these nuns' brains when they were – when they passed away, right? And these brains were riddled with tangles and plex. But some of these nuns, when they looked at the way that they lived their life, showed absolutely zero symptoms, zero signs of any form of dementia. And that's the part where like, what – 
how is that even possible, right? And so the only explanation uh, back then, which uh, this was done, I think, in the 90s, it's got to be based on the way that these nuns live their life. In fact, they talk about a specific nun, Sister Bernadette. Um, shoot, she was teaching into her 90s. That woman was sharp as a tack. But when they looked at the cross-section of her brain, it was filled with tangles and plaques. And all, in all cases, she should have been very, very demented when she was alive. But she wasn't, right? And the only explanation, and this is really the crux of our entire system at Activate, is, is that it had to be based on the way that she lived her life. So they looked at five different components of these nuns, particularly looked at were they moving, were they exercising, right? Did they live an active lifestyle? What were they eating? How were they managing stress? Were they socializing, right? Uh, were, they, were they learning? Were they constantly putting their brains in an environment that, 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 uh, that was different, that was unique, or in general, just were they learning, right? Um, so Sanjay Gupta talks about something interesting in his book. Uh, 20, early 2021, he released a book called Keep Sharp. And in his book, he talks about essentially when you stop learning, your brain atrophies, right? And so he talks about... Uh, uh, he talks about the socialization part, which is why it's so critical uh, to, to have socialization as part of your p- programming. He, said, he says this, the circle of you when you get older decreases. The circle, so the circle of, of you. you. So in other words, the amount of people that you interact with decreases. Like most people, you know, right. when, they, when they retire, for example, it's right. interesting that uh, most of our connections are at work, right? So unless you have another community that you're part of um, – Gosh, when you retire, you're no longer part of that community, right? And you need social interactions. And so what he talks about is this. When our circle of you, as we get older, typically it decreases. And when you're essentially not stimulated to meet new people and do new things, much like your biceps atrophies, if you don't use them, your brain has the same concept. That is – that's haunting actually because I can – the older you get, which I even hate saying this because one of the things – you've learned is that we should even stop thinking about age. That's right. That's right. So even before I forget, finish my thought, which I probably shouldn't, why is that? Why should we stop thinking about well, our age? I mean, in the book, we cite some interesting, interesting research. So particularly, and, and we can, we can, we can talk about this. Caleb uh, brought this. Uh, Caleb. Um, oh, dirt. You mean oh, dirt. That's dirt. Dirk. Uh, yeah. I got dirt. You. No, dirt. 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 Can you look at that what man? He's dirty. <laughs> look at him. He dirt. Dirt. When, when's the last time you washed those shoes? Oh, no, I don't know. Never. He's dirt. He's dirty. <laughs> it's not funny. It's descriptive. <laughs> um, it's descriptive. That's right. It's very specific, Brian. Yeah. I would agree. Um, but this whole this whole concept of of uh, right not labeling yourself because you live up to your expectations, sort of say right. So yes, there's all sorts of research that talks about. Um, I have all the studies in my head. It's like which one do I want to talk about? So we've been talking about this one. This one's this one's cool. Um, 1975. There were actually in in Ohio. There's 300 men, 300 women were asked, "Hey, what is your view of aging?" They just asked them all sorts of questions. Right, and these people were 50 and up, sort of say. Uh, 23 years later, they went back and they looked to see of those people that had a positive versus a negative description of aging, how many of them were still alive. And those people that gave a positive description of aging were alive in extra seven plus years than those people that gave a negative description, Mm. right? That's interesting, right? And so the point is, yes, if you have a negative view of aging, Generally, you're probably not the most positive person to begin with, and over time, yeah, it uh, it, it take it take take uh, big control. I am bumping into more and more dudes who are doing whatever you want to call it, 
testosterone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy, steroids, not to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but to stave off the effects of time and sure. yada, yada, yada. yada. What's, sure. what's the research on that? Because I got to tell sure. you, so when I hear some of, their, some of their stories and testimonials, I'm like, damn. Am I sure. missing something missing here? Something? Sure. What, do, what do you know well, about this? Here, here's what I know. I, I, I think testosterone is uh, is a real deal, much like uh, you know, estrogen is a real deal with women, and you know, women go through some interesting uh, changes of the body, especially when they go through menopause. And so, you know, men don't don't necessarily go through menopause, but as we get older, particularly if you're not eating a certain way, particularly if you're not sleeping well, oh my gosh, you know, you want to get dumber and drop your testosterone level significantly, just stop sleeping, right? Or just eat, or just make sure your sleep just genuinely sucks, right? And strength training, particularly, you know, moderate to heavier strength. Like if you're not doing certain things, your testosterone levels drop. So yeah, yeah listen, if your testosterone levels are low, it it's depressive. It will impact your life significantly. There's many, many people that have uh, didn't know what that was, and so they just start taking antidepressants, and it affects their relationship. And so there's constant taking antidepressants because then it just has a this uh, this uh, a domino effect of affecting and impacting your life you know, differently. So I'm a big fan of early detection in all things in life. So testosterone is one of those things. Certainly, I mean that now nowadays, shoot, you just cup on a box, you can order a testosterone test just to see where are you, right? And so I'm not saying you need to all of a sudden go on um, on uh, any sort of uh, hormonal therapy uh, if the testosterone level is low, but at least now you know. And now that you know, you just got to pay attention to some things and see if you can naturally boost it, right? So as you age, though, some things should we should yeah. embrace that there's changes Correct. and that should be fine. Correct. Is there any data that you're aware of that says, hey, look, trying to turn back the clock and have testosterone levels when you're 25, that's just not healthy. That's going to create other problems. Are you, are you aware of anything like that? Uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. But but I get what you're like. You're you don't necessarily need testosterone levels of a 20 year old, right? No, I want less right. than I had 25. That's right. And in many ways, it makes <laughs> you some wiser, annoying right? Things of yes, the testosterone yes. level of 25. 100. It was just you and I would give you some of those examples, but you know, it's like seriously, <laughs> I think like I can, I, I can appreciate it. Sure, I get it. No, I, I, and I and I think you you're right. You don't necessarily need, but at the same time, it can't be you know, at the bottom of the barrel, sort of set. Like you want to be somewhere. In the middle, you don't need high significant levels of testosterone unless you have a different goal in mind. But if it's we're truly talking about lifespan and health span, it's nice to stay somewhere, somewhere in the middle. By the way, I mean there are things you could do naturally to promote it. But once again, I'm a big fan of detection, early detection. So get uh, just get a basic test, blood test, see where you are, right, and then uh, you know take it from there. Yeah. All right. Let's get back to the brain. It's good. It's good. But back. although you know, I mean, it, it, there's the, the correlation is shoot, man. Your your test levels are low, man. You're going to be depressed, right? You're not going to want to go exercise. You're going to be demotivated. You're not going to be stay organized, right? And all of that certainly impacts your brain and therefore your your uh, your life. But yes, but let's go back to specifically what is it that we're yeah. Well, about. it is it is a. I've always put this in the camp of narcissism, the desire to do that and just look look utterly jacked. I have zero desire to look more jack than I am right now, I might say. I, I have no- You look great, bro. I have no, thank you very much. I, I have no interest in that, but like the the benefits I hear from people yeah. about like clarity of thinking, which is why I thought of this. Right. Like I hear people talk about clarity of thinking and I, I don't feel like I'm looking through a screen anymore at two or three o'clock in the afternoon and that kind of stuff. I thought for you and the brain stuff, it was right in line. What's that? Let's, get back, let's get back to brain stuff. 
Which well, let's let's talk about clarity and fogginess because yeah. I would say out of all the people, uh, there, there are two types of people that genuinely this would be something interesting. If you're 20, unless you've seen somebody decline, you're not going to be interested in this. 20, 30 year old, they don't. It's just the mentality is different, right? But unless you've seen somebody decline and you're saying, gosh. Are there things that I can do so I don't have to end up like my mom or my grandmother, right? So that's one bucket of people. The other bucket of people are people that are interested in uh, staying more focused, being more sharp, being more clear, being more succinct, especially when they are under stressful environments, whether it be in the media. So a lot of the people that uh, come into our city, they still work, right? I mean, these people, they have full-time jobs, right? And so – um, their main objective is uh, one of the main objectives is uh, to stay focused, to stay level headed, and uh, to stay. And so, if I can exercise in a way that uh, makes my brain better focused, sign me up because I'm going to work out anyway. <laughs> so, why not do it in a way that's really beneficial to the brain? So, this is good. Let's let's spend the rest of our time on this kind of stuff, Michael, because this is called the aggressive life, not the philosophical life. That's right. We could all sit around and philosophize about, oh, the people who are aging and aging is awful or it's not awful or this and that. This is about noticing something and I want to have that thing. So I want to have a brain that's malleable, that's active, that's neuroplast- uh, operating neuroplasticity, that's, that's you know forming new neural connections, synaptic connections, that's keeping me vibrant. What do I do? Sure. What, what are those who are aggressive? What are we going to start doing next week? Sure. So I, I had a buddy of mine actually uh, just asked that similar question. We were on the phone last week, um, and uh, he says, Mike, it worked out my whole life. Uh, you know me, and I do know him. He's, he's in great shape. And he says, so no, knowing what you know now, how should I alter what I'm doing if I'm, already, if I'm already working out? Or if I'm not working out, what can I start doing? So I would say to you this. The thing that's really rooted in research to really benefit the brain. Now, I, I'm going to start off real basic, real broad. Any movement is beneficial to the brain because it pumps blood flow to the brain, right? Blood flow to the brain is critical for a process that's called neurogenesis, which is essentially the creating or the birthing of new brain cells. Your brain isn't plastic uh, or isn't static. You can build new brain cells. Movement is how you prime your brain to build uh, new brain cells. Now, there's been some really significant research that's done in how to exercise in a way that resembles thinking and moving at the same time. Here's the deal with thinking and moving. It's called dual task exercising. As it turns out, the older we get, the uh, more of our ability to toggle back and forth between a physical and and a cognitive thing decreases. So a perfect example is, say, driving. So, Brian, when you and I are driving, we're making a left-hand turn. You and I have to look what's going on on the right-hand side, figure out what the deal is. Is it safe or is it not to press the gas pedal or should I press the brake pedal? All of this is happening simultaneously. Our entire life is lived in this dual-tasking environment. For, and you know, now that I know this, for the life of me, I don't understand why we try to separate the brain from the body when we exercise because it's just not the way that this body is put together. It's not the way that we're supposed to be exercising or moving on a day-to-day basis. We're always engaging the mind and the brain. Anyway, so what we do is precisely that, right? So we engage you in novel activity, Brian, something that you're not good at, which is the trick to getting your current brain cells to bind together. It's like when you're exercising, your heart rate is up, you're building new brain cells. I have to introduce you something you're not 
very good at, something that you're trying to get or improve in. There has to be this learning component, right? So because of that, because if you're constantly learning, you're constantly aware of what you're doing. So it's very functional, very sports-like, but appropriate to your physical ability, right? So, and then we... Uh, introduce different games towards in the, or in the middle and towards the end at the beginning of the workout that you can play while you're doing this functional workout. So you'll do something functional with kettlebells, TRX, dumbbells, whatever the case is, right? And then, which is, by the way, it's in and of itself is very cognitively engaging because you always have to think about where you are in space. Mm. You could be doing things on single leg, single arm, mm. right, type of deal. And then after every 90 seconds or so, we, 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 we put you through uh, a brain game or um, some, a game that challenges your memory, maybe reaction time, processing speed. Um, and that's how, in a nutshell, the whole process of physical and cognitive is working together. Here's the deal. If you can... Improve your ability to toggle back and forth between the physical and the cognitive. The more efficient you are, the research says that's when your memory, potential memory, reaction time, processing speed, your ability to focus and stay and keep attention can be enhanced. Right? And I'll give you the most basic example. Brian, if you were to stand up right now, for example, and march in place and just count, by, count backwards by seven. Right, so you're marching in place. Count. You can't think about anything else other than marching and subtracting. Right. So the more the more efficient you get in toggling back and forth, of course, you'll get pretty good at it. And then we need to uh, increase the, the or pr- pr- progress you to make the cha- the exercises more challenging. And the better you get at that, right, the more effective you're you're going to be in terms of memory processing speed, the whole nine yards. Mm, interesting. That's how it works. And that's part of the reason, like, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned you're an expert level of Sudoku. Expert means you're getting pretty good, aren't you? Uh, I am getting pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so part of the reason you're getting pretty good is because there's a pattern, and, and you're so smart, and you figured it out. No, it's because I figured out how to play the game. That's a pattern, right? You figured out how to play the game. Yeah. So that's what I, that's probably one of the biggest challenges, although on one hand, they're wonderful. Sudoku puzzles, crossbow, they're great, and don't stop doing this, especially if you enjoy them, Right. Ultimately, once you figure out the pattern, it's no longer novel to the brain, right? right, So when it's no longer novel, you're no longer really getting your brain cells to wire together, right? The other part, of course, the Sudoku puzzles are missing is the physical component, right? Mm. So that's the beauty. Like when I get your heart rate up, right, and and, and and I'm able to promote more brain cells being built while you move and I make you think in a novel way, that's the type of stuff over time that gets you to bind your brain cells together. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. And that's the part that most people are just not aware. Like some people say, are there things I can do to potentially slow down cognitive decline or potentially as it relates to exercise? You bet your butt, but it's not just basic exercise because you can do that on your own. No, we'll put you in a dual tasking environment every single time. Right, which that's the only thing that has any sort of teeth long term to have some significant cognitive benefits. Only thing that has teeth. So the other thing is just slow down your degradation, like your so stress let me define management. That, right. Let yeah. me define that. So when you're in a dual tasking setting, dual tasking setting is what really promotes your ability to uh, pay attention better, stay more focused, and really potentially work on your memory. Boy, if there's a link, which you say there is from the research, if there's a link between stress and dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's and just mm-hmm. losing your freaking mind, mm-hmm. that's going to be a runaway market to make money here in the next couple of decades because America has never been more stressed out than we are right now. 
we've never had more anxiety or more stress than we have right now. I'm not even talking like days of COVID. This has been happening for a while. We are ridiculously, utterly ridiculously stressed. That's scary to think. I just thought stress was stress was something that you got to get under control so you can enjoy your day and not have an ulcer. But if you're saying it's one of the indicators for losing your mind in the future, man, we're we're it's going to be dawn of the dead. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, right? that's interesting, Brian. Let's, let's, let's talk about stress. So, so let's talk about the positive aspects of stress. Stress isn't bad. You know that, right? Stress, the if you weren't, amount, yeah. that's right. In fact, if your adrenaline didn't rise when there is a Mack truck coming at you, you're done. So stress is there to protect us in case of uh, emergencies, right, or uh, stressful situations. So what causes it, right? So it's a terrible foods, right? Cause your system, to, uh, your particularly your gut, uh, to inflame because your body doesn't digest foods very well. And so for me, right? So bananas, which is a healthy food, but the problem is if I eat too many of them, then I get bloated, right? And so bloatedness is a form of inflammation, right? So that you know, toxic relationships um, are, as you know, better, ten times better than I do, are extremely stressful, right? Not dealing with them properly. First of all, not having a way out to properly deal with stress, which we'll talk about, is stressful in, in, on its own. So you take a look at the environment that most of us are in. That chronic stress, the biggest thing that it does is causes inflammation. And inflammation is what uh, kills brain cells. Oh, okay. Right? That makes sense. So the trick is how do I – what can I do to deflame my system? And, and if I were to start, it would be sleep. And then that's the connection between right sleep and um, cognitive decline. So you, you have what's called this glymphatic system, which essentially is like the liver to your brain if you want to take a look at. And when you get into deep sleep, your brain essentially has the ability to detox itself. The problem is if you don't get into that deep sleep and you're constantly not getting quality of sleep or not enough sleep, then you build up these amyloid proteins, which is, that's the link to Alzheimer's. You build up these amyloid, beta amyloid proteins, which are very toxic to the brain, which the link is uh, Alzheimer's, right? Of course, we see how all this stuff is linked together. When you're under stress, you can't sleep. You're just sitting there with your mind going all the time and, sure. and wondering what's going to go on. Of course, when you can't sleep, you're feeling tired. You don't really want to work out. No, no, that's right. Yeah, because the, the folks that I oftentimes deal with, which I think are average Americans, aren't those that have a discrepancy in one of these behaviors that you have here, the, 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 these core training mechanisms. And the wheels are off of everything. Yeah. And so how do you start? Sure. How do you, how do you start the momentum going forward? That's... That's a that's a well, really really tough one, and and I, and I think you know something to keep in mind: or complexity is the enemy of execution. So when you tell me how do you start, I think most of us, when we try to start, we overcomplicate the situation, so therefore we don't start, right? And so the the so the most important thing, and what of course uh, you know we're we're big fans of. Uh, at Activate is, is, is just start. We simplified the whole process. It doesn't matter where you start, like, but just start. So the question is, where do you feel most comfortable in starting, right? And so you, you pick that area, right? And so as you know, progress is critical, right? So tracking change is critical, right? And so part of our system, we track change every eight weeks. We had to gather 20 plus different data points on our clients. And so as long as... Um, someone is uh, seeing and we're seeing the progress, even if they're moving like a turtle, but turtle speed, but they're still moving, right? 
that's how you start. You don't yeah. have to start on everything. You don't have to all of a sudden start eating a certain way, getting eight hours of sleep, drinking you know a bunch of water. It's too much. That alone can be stressful. It is right? true. But if you pick one, what, what, out of all the things you could do, which one can you do that would cause the least amount of change to your schedule and your daily routine? Whatever that is, let's just start there. And the key is, can we create momentum, yes. right? So can we start moving towards ultimately the, the objectives that you have, right? Yeah, I, I'm mentoring a guy right now <clears throat> in business, and uh, he's identified physical capital as the one thing he wants to really increase. And so he's going after it. Uh, and our last interaction was like, you might just want to think about doing one of these things and trying to get some momentum. It's it's kind of hard to say, I'm not going to eat pizza, and I'm not, and I'm gonna. Uh, I have a personal trainer, and I bought all this new equipment, and I've, he's got like five like big deals when he's been really sedentary. Which is, I love the gusto, the go sure. go go. But the problem is, you got, you got five things now on your to do list when you haven't done one of those. No, it could right. just be overwhelming. That's right. Whereas if you just say, I'm going to do two push-ups after every time I take a pee. That's exactly it. You know? That's and then, exactly hey, it. shoot, two, let's do five. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to start looking at my, looking at my, my yeah. diet a little bit here. And I think this, this whole, this whole, um, that quote, right? Complexity is the enemy of execution. I think if you take a look at any aspects of your life, if there isn't forward progress in whatever area of life it may be, it's because one of the reasons is you're making things more than what they actually are, which by the way, is definition of stress in my opinion, right? Is making things greater and bigger than what they, what they ought to be, right? And so you get stressed, you get anxious, and so therefore you eliminate that part of your life. You don't even, you don't even go and move towards it, which in actuality you probably should, but the reason you don't is because it's too complicated. So you started Activate Brain and Body, which is these uh, facilities and these these actions that you, you, you've been talking about. I'm wondering, you had a story coming to Uzbekistan f- that uh, motivated you to get into physical fitness. Was there somebody new or something around the brain that kind of motivated you to get in this? Or was this something that you just saw as a market opportunity? Gosh, I wish I was that smart. Um, 2015, 2016, when we still had our, our, our locations, our clubs, our Anytime Fitness Clubs, we were really good in helping people lose weight when we had our Anytime Fitness Club. So if I mean, you had 10 plus pounds to lose, we are your go-to people, right? Um, not only could we help you lose it, but we could also help you maintain it, which by the way, those are two different set of skills. Step one, accomplishing the weight loss. Step two is now you got to keep the weight off. A completely different set of skills. Anyways. So, but we noticed in some of our small markets in Ohio and Indiana that uh, there were other options for people to exercise. So being specializing in weight loss wasn't uh, enough. So we needed to, wanted to specialize in something different. So particularly we wanted to specialize in working with folks that are 50 and up. So we found uh, the Functional Aging Institute. Um, turns out that they have a, their headquarters was in West Lafayette, Indiana, which is only a couple hours away. So we went over there, visited their program, fell in love. It was wonderful. Anyways, we adopted their program. And here, speeding up to about 2018, uh, June of 2018, we, we sold. But prior to selling our clubs, we did really well with this program for 50 and up, right? And so the guys that created the program, the Functional Aging Institute guys, they invited us in 2019 to speak at a conference. And it's at that conference, my business partner and I were speaking on a particular topic related to their program. We met a gentleman by the name of Martin. It was always his idea to open up this brain and body type of a center, but he's a marketing guy. He didn't have any operational expertise. 
right? And so to be, I mean, I understand the body. I understood the heart. This whole brain thing was really weird. And so he starts talking about all this research. I'm like, whatever. Like to show me, give me, can you give me a book? Can you, can you give me some, uh, some research? Anyway, so he gave me a few books and I couldn't put them down. Like, this is, this is amazing. This is really, really, really cool. At that point, we still had a few clubs and I said, Martin, let's do this. Listen, we got, you know, over a hundred clients at one of our locations. So let's, uh, let's put some of the stuff to you. We got these five domains, right? That we want to potentially have a completely separate business. Anyways, we did. And in 16 weeks, we were able to show some significant improvement, Brian, in reaction time, uh, in uh, processing uh, speed and executive function, which are things like uh, decision-making, things like self-control, things like uh, critical thinking skills, right? Making accurate decisions when you need to uh, effectively and accurately, right? So that was the connection with the brain. And so I was just floored with some of the outcomes we were able to produce. We're working with Miami University now to further validate our own our own data. And I was like, man, we, we, we can't continue to do this inside of an anytime fitting because it's just the wrong environment. So that's when we said we, we need its own separate building. So that's a pretty aggressive move right there. You're, you're doing a whole new business on a whole new concept that no one's, uh, has anyone ever tried this before? Not, 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 not to our knowledge where they, where they, where they put the brain first. I mean, everyone you talk to me, come on, you know how many personal trainers or physical uh, fitness places, you know, everybody puts the heart and the body first, which is fine. That's really the focus I would say for the fitness business, but you're right. Nobody really puts the brain first. So yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, we have, uh, to talk about the whole thing. I mean, our facility is going to open up, uh, you know, shortly, hopefully the first quarter of 2022. Um, so meanwhile, we have clients, of course, getting started. So it's interesting to talk about a, a topic that uh, people are getting started on, right? But the facility itself isn't necessarily uh, there just yet. And what's the facility going to be called? Are these facilities they are going to be called Activate Brain and Body? You got it. Oh, yeah, you got that's it. cool. Yeah. Let's go back to something you said earlier, because I just want to hit some other things that I said I want to dig into more. You, you said that if we think about our age, that's a bad thing. I find myself thinking about my age at 56 more than I did at 36. In fact, I, I, I state my age more often now than I ever have before. You're saying that's bad? So it's not that we shouldn't talk about uh, the age. It's more so, remember, if you take a look at the study, it was done in 1975. Is what is your outlook on age? And so really when I think about that, I think of what is the outlook on your both your, uh, really in your biological age? Do you, do you feel like you have any control over how well you can age? And if the answer is yes, then you're fine, right? But if, you, but if no, if you label yourself, I am old, then then you're going to start behaving like it, right? I'm old, so therefore I can't hunt like, anymore. It's like this thing. I'm it's old, like, so therefore I can't ride my motorcycle anymore. Yeah. I'm old, so therefore I can't have new dreams. I, I have this thing that I say, and, my, and my, my, my close friends, although they understand that they still make fun of me, like here's what I say. Um, I'm... Um, like if I get sick, for example, right? I, I say I'm not sick. I'm not weak, therefore I'm not sick, right? Like that—that's the—that's the mentality. Like if so, so my mentality is if, if I'm sick, then t- then then take a look at somebody who's sick. They they look like they're weak. I'm not weak, therefore I'm not sick. Right now, does it work? <laughs> I'd like to think that it does, right? But I don't put on my jammies and I start taking my hot tea, right? And start to uh, right, assume this Your sickly position. That's or right. Centrum, whatever and it I is. think that's what's important to talk about, right? So when you when you like 
as people get old, it's like things change about them, right? They they um, they 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 start assuming this old posture, this old these old thoughts, and these it just, because that's what uh, you know old is all about. I was talking to my eight year old, and she she's telling me, "But Daddy, I want to live till I'm a hundred. I'm like, "Emila, that's yeah. wonderful." She says, "When I'm a hundred, I'm gonna have a cane," and I said, "No, you won't." Why, why, why do you need a cane when you're 100? You don't need a cane when you're 100. Shoot, when you're 100, hopefully you'll be surfing, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, so that's really the, the, the mentality. It's like we you take a look at it from both a chronological and a biological. And if you believe there are things that you can do, yeah. right, to, to slow this down, you'll stay young for as long as possible. That's really a good reminder. I, I like adventure motorcycling. I think you know that. And my, it's a way for my son and I. We bonded over the years. And, you know, we started out, he was... He was 17 or 16 when he got in the motorcycle and I was whatever I was. Uh, he could probably outbench me at 16 because he was deep <laughs> in football and all that kind sure. of stuff. But, you know, physically, there really wasn't any difference between us. Um, as we've gotten older, as I've gotten older and he's gotten older and, you know, he, you know there, there's a significant difference physically between. I'm not, I'm not working on maxing out deadlifts. I'm not working on, I'm, I'm not, I'm doing a different kind of fitness. And I started to notice on our bike trips, when my bike would go down, which the kind of riding we, we do, if, if your bike doesn't go down every day, you're just not riding hard enough. Mm. You got the, you got all the gear mm -hmm. on, you're off, mm -hmm. you're, you're, mud takes you out, or you go through water or something like that. It's, it, and you're going 30 miles an hour. That's being fast. You're, you're going slower. It's not a big deal. It's not like working on the, on the highway. Anyway, I just started thinking like, all right, I'll wait for, I'll wait for Jake to come up here and he'll, he'll, he'll pick up my bike. And I caught myself like, no, man, maybe, maybe I can't pick up this 650-pound bike right now because of the angle, but I can't just go, oh, the bike is down. I'm going to stick, stick my thumb up, thumb up my rear end and wait for my son or somebody else to come help me. Uh, it, it, that's old thinking. Like, I would never think that when I was 35. Be like, and, come on, I, you know what I'm saying? That's exactly what, I mean, that, that's exactly it, right? And, and it's everyday sort of stuff, right? It's like, oh, I can't pick up these groceries, or I can't do this, or, oh, I'm, I'm 55, I shouldn't be able, and that's just not not the case at all. You have control based on how well you age. Research is very, very, very clear, right? Make the right decisions. Michael, it's been great. Hey, this is why it's called The Aggressive Life. You should be leaving here today. You should be leaving here today because Michael said something that you're going to actually do. If you're not doing things differently when you come out of this podcast, please stop watch, stop listening to the podcast. Uh, I, I don't need more listeners. Uh, if, if you were paying me, I might want more listeners, but you're not paying <laughs> me, so I'm trying to help you. So when you're hearing something here, try something. It's not going to happen every episode. There's things that you're just not going to do because it doesn't relate to you. You've got more than enough stuff to do. That, that's true. But every once in a while I come into one where you, you think, I need my brain to operate. So I hope you're hearing something today that you're going to do. That's what's called the aggressive life. Michael, anything else you want to talk about before we sign out or anything you want to give as an advertisement for yourself? Um, just check out our website at uh, activatebrainandbody.com. There's a good amount of information to unpack and encourage you to make the call and just inquire and learn more. Brother, great hang with you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for enlightening my mind and hopefully keeping my uh, mind a bit younger. We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. That's good, man. Ryan, you rock. You're, you're a good man. I should have uh, I should have mentioned this. Uh, this is, it's, it's fascinating. So there's this sea urchin.
and I should have mentioned this. I read this in a book called Spark. The whole purpose of the sea urchin is to find a place to um, dig its roots in. And once it does that, get this, it eats its own brain. So the, perp the whole point, what the uh, Dr. John Rady is trying to iterate is this, is that your brain is meant to keep your body moving. So if you have no, if you don't move your brain and your body will atrophy, mm. right? It's such an interesting deal and it's such a simple organism, right? But it teaches us something very, very important, I believe, in, in, in life in general is you have to move. Of course, it's nice to have a purpose behind your movement, right? It's nice to have a reason on why I should get out of, get out, get out of bed, right? Uh, which, of course, those are the reasons why most of us don't tend to move. But so this whole body and brain connection, it's so intriguing because they, they both have these healing capabilities. Your brain can heal your body. Your body can heal the brain, of course. But if you turn the sucker off, much like just the, the, the sea urchin, there's no there's – no, essentially, sea urchin becomes a plant. It is, it's no longer a living being. Well, right. unbeknownst to you, Dirt's probably still recording this right now. So oh, great. this might even be happening. Wonderful. Some people have said, forget this, so I'm going to turn off the thing. But other people have said, ooh, I, oh, I see there's some more time left. I'm just going to stay and see if I get some value added. And you just did. How about that? It's fascinating. <laughs> Anyways, great book, Spark, Dr. John Rady. Pick it up. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com. Find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram, at Brian Tome. The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.